to be ready. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at, at the, are you ready for this? We're going to look at the responsibilities. The responsibilities of believers. If you are a born-again, spirit-filled, believing uh, person of the church, you have responsibilities. And that's what he's going to talk about, responsibilities of believers as we eagerly wait to be caught up to meet Jesus in the clouds, which I pray is, is sooner instead of later. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful that we have a place to come and to worship you in song and to worship you with our giving, to worship you in fellowship, to worship you by now looking at the word of God and not just be hearers of the word of God, but to be doers as well. We're so thankful that our kids, our children have a place right now where they're learning amongst them, their peers. Lord, we're so thankful that we have each other. We're so thankful that you died on the cross for us. Lord, help us to apply what well, you've inspired Paul to write here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 into our lives. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start our time together with a poem uh, from an unknown author. I'm not really great at reading poems, but uh, I pray you'll get the gist of it. So here it is. Unknown author, here's, here's a, a poem. Says I to myself as I grumbled and growled, I'm sick of my church. And then I scowled. The members unfriendly, the sermons too long. In fact, it seems that everything's wrong. I like the singing. I don't like the singing. The church a disgrace, for signs of neglect are all over the place. I'll quit going there, and I won't give a dime. I can make better use of my money and time. Then my conscience says to me, says he, the trouble with you is you're blind to see that your church reflects you, whatever it be. Now come, pray and serve cheerfully. Stop all your fault finding and boost it up strong. You'll find you'll be happy and proud to belong. Be friendly, be willing, and sing as you work, for churches are not built by members who shrink. Pretty powerful poem, pretty powerful words. As we saw in our text from last week, we as born-again, spirit-filled believers, as we saw from our text from last week in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that Paul says that we are sons of light and sons of the day. This means we have, like it or not, this means we have a responsibility to, uh, to comfort and instruct each other as we grow stronger in our faith together as the body of Christ. How does that statement grab each of you this morning? This, let me say it again. This means we have a responsibility to comfort and instruct each other as we grow stronger in our faith together as the body of Christ. And in God's infinite wisdom, he has also given us people. He's given us people to instruct the church through their service, gifts, 
and or talents. We know this to be sure, uh, be true because of Ephesians chapter 4. It reads this way. It was he, meaning God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of what? Service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Did you catch that? To prepare God's people for works of service. Oh, you got to do something. Yes, God requires us to do something. As we are members of the church, we all have a place. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Not so that we can be built up. Ooh, look at me. Look at all that I'm doing. No, so that the body of Christ can be built up. How are we saved? By works? No. We're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross. We do acts of service so others, so Christ will be built up, so others will come to know him and know that saving grace. As we'll see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, believers have a responsibility to those who serve so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, before I dive into some of these scriptures, yes, uh, this may seem a little self-serving to some because I'm going to be talking about people who serve in the church. We're going to look at that. But it is a whole counsel of God. It is in the Bible. I'm not going to skip over it just because I don't want to talk about those things or point, uh, you know, at what I do as a pastor. But it's okay. Everybody say it's okay. Afterwards, you could come up to me and say if it's okay or not. But I'll make you say it now. Are you ready? Okay, so we're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. We're going to read the King James Version first. I have these on the overhead as well if you have different translations. We're going to read this first. It says, and we beseech you. That's a fun word. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you. So we're talking about those in the church, okay? People that labor among you in the church and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 out of the NIV, the one I frequently use. It says this, now we ask you, Brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. One more uh, translation out of the Message Bible, the, the most current one, the Message Bible by, uh, translated by Eugene Peterson. Listen to what he's written. It says, and now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm, overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Get along among yourselves, each of you, doing your part. Now, Paul mentions three areas. He mentions three areas in these two verses to challenge who? To challenge 
believers, not, not unbelievers. They could care less to challenge believers in their responsibility towards those who serve in the church. And it should be no surprise at you that we're going to look at all three of those areas this morning. Amen? So let's look at those. The first area is, is this, is to recognize them. To recognize them. Those who labor among you to build you up. To recognize them. Those that labor among you to build you up. Not those that labor among you to build themselves up. Okay, that's not a good leader. Anybody that's trying to build themselves up, you don't want any part with that. So recognize them, those who labor among you, to build you up, to help you grow in your faith. Let's take a few minutes to recognize the different areas of ministry positions found in the Bible. Now, I understand there's quite a few more than we're going to mention here today, because, but because of the sake of time, I'm not going to dive into those. I, I read Ephesians chapter 4, apostles uh, and prophets. We're, we're not going to talk about those today. We're going to dive into a few that are a little bit more practical for each and every one of us in, in the different areas of how the church functions and what we see on a more regular basis. So let's start with, with the pastor. Now, we're not starting with Pastor Jay. We're talking about the pastor of the local church. You know, we have the whole universal church, worldwide church, right? And then we have local churches, the pastor of the local church. Okay, and that's what we're going we're gonna to dive in and look at that. The pastor is called to the church and given a vision for the local church. Pastor Jay and his wife, Cindy, who, who isn't in here, is upstairs with the children, Pastor Jay and his wife, Cindy, were called to this church back on, we, we arrived in this, in this city on August, Friday, August 13th, 2008. We were called to this church. God gave, gave me as the pastor, he gave me a, a vision, a, a, a direction for this church, for the tribe of this church, right? There's different churches, Bible-believing churches in our town, don't, don't, uh, don't ever forget to say that. There's different Bible-believing teaching churches in this town that we would call different tribes. And there are pastors there that the Lord has given a vision and a direction to lead that tribe of that church, right? We are not in competition with other churches. And sometimes it feels that way, and it may seem that way. Oh, we better keep up with this church because they're doing this event. What event are we doing? Because we got to do this and we got to do that. Foolish. Pray for their event that it's successful and they win people to the Lord, right? Right? So there's different tribes, there's different visions, and some... Uh, other pastors are not going to have the same vision for their church as Pastor Jay is. But we have the same mission. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? The same mission to win people to the Lord and to grow the church spiritually to become more like Jesus. That's the mission. How we get there will look a little different. How many of you noticed our big, huge pipe organ that we had here today, right? And we, you, all got out, you all got out a hymn book, and, and we sang hymns. 
Did we do that here? By the way, churches that do that, that is awesome. I like going to those services sometimes because it's how God reaches certain people at different times. It's great, but that's not what we do. Yes, we try to have our music a little louder here, and that's done for a reason. We're trying to reach a different demographic, uh, culture, person, right, that may not fit in here, but may fit in somewhere with the big organ. Lord bless them. So we have a different vision, a different, not a different mission, but a different vision. Pastors are called to do that. The pastor is called to prepare God's people. If you're a born again, spirit-filled believer, disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you call the Bridge Church your home, you are the people that we're talking about here. The pastor uh, is called to prepare you for works of service so that you will build up the body of Christ. I'm paraphrasing Ephesians chapter 4. I said this to in the, in the first service. I feel, feel compelled to say it in this service. It may be a little harsh, but I feel led to say it. You can't change the pastor. It's just like these two wonderful people. Sorry, you're here. <laughs> they... They exchanged wedding vows yesterday. Now they're married. Amen. Now, Aaron, did you marry Rebecca and in your mind said, okay, now I got her. I'm going to change her to be who I want her to be. Huh? <laughs> Rebecca, did you, did, you, did you marry Aaron because now you want to change him? I've been married for 28 years. And I can't change my wife. <laughs> but see, people do that, don't they? they they're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get married. And, you know, I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get married because once, once I'm married to that person, once I marry him or her or whatever, once I'm married to that person, those, those things I don't like about them, I'm going to change and they're going to be more like me. And then they're miserable. Some people go to a church, say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like this or that about that pastor, but I'm going to belong to that church. I don't really care for, for the vision or, or the direction the church is going in, but, but uh, you know, I, I just like that one song they do all the time, and it just touches my heart. So I'm going to come. I'm going to come to that church, and I'm going to belong to that church, and I'm going to change the pastor to make him be who I want him to be like me. You're wasting your time, and there's the door. God has created me to be who I am to be, just like every other pastor that's called to lead a church. Find a church that you fit into the vision and the direction, and you can get behind it 100% and serve the Lord. Lord bless you. I'm not saying anybody in here is trying to change me. All I'm saying is a pastor is called, is called to shepherd the local church, called to lead people to salvation, to help them grow spiritually so they can lead people to salvation. 
How many of you have ever seen me come into where you work and hang out all day so I can lead people to salvation for you? Oh, no hands went up. Well, I've been there, but you were working for me. <laughs> the point is, I'm not going to touch the lives you're going to touch. You're not going to touch some of the lives I'm going to touch because we're in different spheres, different areas, different seasons of our lives. A pastor is to equip you, to help you, prepare you so you can lead others to the Lord as you've been led to the Lord. It's not just a pastor's job. We'll talk more about that in a minute. To minister. A pastor is to minister to spiritual life needs. Crisis counseling. Help people turn their cell phones off. Kind of a pretty ringtone. To minister to spiritual life needs like crisis counseling, to celebrate uh, weddings by overseeing the joining of a man and woman by giving themselves in holy matrimony, to, to celebrate the life of loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord through funeral services. It's a calling, not a job. And if we want to call it a job, um, I can say, I'll, I'll boldly say this, if we want to call it a job, and I often will say that just because it's just easier to say, but it's a calling, not a job. And I, I can say over the 55 years of my life, I've had a lot of jobs. From a dishwasher to a landscaper to my own construction business, drywall taping to digging holes all day to being in the Air Force, working out on the flight line in all different weather climates, I've had many different jobs, from jobs from sitting all day, uh, using my brain. I know it's hard to believe that, but those kind of jobs. And I'm going to tell you right now, pastoring is the hardest job that I've ever had out of all of them. Why is that, do you think? Because pastoring is all about people. And if it wasn't for you all, I'd have a pretty easy job. <laughs> job. But I wouldn't have a job because it's all about people. Pastoring is all about people. And here's the deal. People are messy. I am messy, right? We're, none of us are perfect. Pastor Jay is not perfect. None of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress. I have issues. I'm messy. We're all messy. We need each other. That's why we need each other, right? We're on a journey. We grow together. And that's why it can be hard. Any of you, any of you that have ever served in any kind of, of ministry in the church for any length of time working with people can testify to what I'm saying is true. Now, don't misread me. I, I like to minister to people. I, it, it may be the hardest, but it's also been the most rewarding because of people. Right? Because we're friends, we're family, people. That's why we, we laugh, we cry, we live together. The next area we see in the church is we have elders. Elders, they help oversee the church in a variety of different ways. They help pastor keep watch over the local body of believers 
Titus 1, 7 and 9 gives us some instruction for overseers, which also falls in line for pastors. It says this, verse 7, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work. Just, just think of that sentence right there. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless. How many of you in here are blameless? He must be blameless, meaning he must do his best to live a life above reproach. He must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Where do I sign up? That's what you guys are all saying, right? Where do I sign up? Doesn't sound like digging dirt all day, does it? Then we have deacons, deaconesses, who help the pastor, elders, minister to the needs of the church, kind of like the hands-on stuff. We see that in Acts, where they appointed those to help feed the, the widows that were being overlooked. You know, they help with, with prayer, uh, maybe around the uh, altar, hospital visits, you know, a pastor can rely on them, maybe help set up meals for those that need uh, extra help because of a surgery or something. They are spiritually mature believers who put the needs of others before their own needs. A deacon, deaconess, a male or female, one, one that just has that, that heart, that servant's heart of hospitality and care and love and mercy for others. And then there are evangelists. Evangelists, those are the people that go on TV and ask for your money. I thought that was funny, but I guess not. That's not what an evangelist is, right? An evangelist is one who share the gospel message with power to both believers and non-believers. Now, as I've said, please understand, we're all evangelists in one way, shape, or form. Again, you're going to reach people in your sphere of influence. You're going to reach people that God has put in your life, that God wants you to reach as an evangelist. Uh, that doesn't mean uh, some people are gifted in evangelists where they can stand up in, in front of large crowds and, and they're gifted in, in speaking, gifted in different areas, and they have this extra special gift of evangelism. So that we have those people in the church. And then we have teachers, people that can teach uh, adults and people that can teach young people, right? They help uh, build up people in the things of God. They teach our youth, our youth group, 6 through 12. That's what we call our youth group. They teach our, our children, right? Every Sunday morning, we have those people that teach. They're up there right now. Teaching what God calls a precious gift from God to you. Teaching. They are my heroes, church. As much as I like good worship and as much as I like, you know, good coffee and as much as I like all those different things, uh, on the top of my list of those who I respect are all those up there teaching your kids.
I think they sacrifice more than any other people serving in our church. They prepare ahead of time. They pray. They go into a room full of kids. We need more teachers. We only have a few and they're getting wore out. One of them's my wife. My wife's been up there. I I probably shouldn't say that she's not in here and I'm going to have to ask for her forgiveness. My wife's been up there, I think, going on three years now and it was never planned for her to be up there that long. She loves kids. She likes what she's doing. It's time for her to come out of there, you guys. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's time. And some of you are qualified to serve and minister to our children. And I'm begging you, I'm asking you, fast and pray, go into a season. If God's speaking to you and you're qualified to teach our kids, please talk to me. Let's pray. Let's see if we can, if we can get that going. You guys okay with me still? I'm sorry. She's going to probably be upset that I said that, but I have to live with her. You don't. (laughs) The next area of responsibility Paul mentions for believers towards those who serve in the church is how we are to respect them. To respect them. Paul is telling the church, the body of Christ, born again disciples of Jesus, that your pastor and other leaders do not work just one day a week. We don't. Respect. Respect. Uh, Paul is telling people of church to respect those in spiritual authority over you, as long as they're not... Moving to the left or the right of the word of God, right? To respect, to submit those. If you're submitting yourself to the bridge church and you're saying, I, I, this is my church home, then you are uh, ultimately saying you're submitting to the spiritual leader's authority over the church. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean you check your brain at the door. What it means is, is you want to grow spiritually and you're submitting. It's biblical to that leadership as long as it's biblical and as long as you're not being asked to do something that you're not comfortable with, Okay. You're not being brainwashed. That's, that's the point. But you want to grow and, and, and be, uh, be more in Christ. Respect. Hold in high regard your spiritual leaders. Here are just a few reasons why you need to do that. Number one. First of all, number one, they will be judged more strictly and must give an account for their ministry. Did you know that? James chapter 3, verse 1, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. I read to you after, that ask, after I asked for help with the kids' ministries. Now I read that to you. It doesn't apply to you. No. Of course, that's not true. Hebrews thirteen seventeen: Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that so their work will be a joy. 
not a burden, but a joy for that would be of no advantage to you. Respect. Hold in high regard your spiritual leaders. The second reason is this. They are called to protect and serve you. As I said, church, it's not about this building. Church is about the people. Church is about you. A pastor and overseers are called to protect and serve you. Are we perfect? Nope. I'm not claiming to be perfect in any way, shape, or form. And I can't lose that whole idea that I am called to protect and serve you, the body of Christ who God has called me to protect and serve. What did Jesus do when he came? The God in the flesh. What did he do? I'm not Jesus. I'm not comparing myself to that. I'm just saying leaders are to emulate what they see Jesus do. What did Jesus do? He came to protect and serve. What did he, he washed feet for goodness sake. He went to the cross, right? He came to serve, protect and to serve. He didn't come to lift himself up, did he? He could have he marched into Jerusalem with lightning bolts and throw the Romans out and set up his ministry, and that would have been it, right? He had the power to do that, call a legion of angels down. But no, Jesus protected and served, and that's what leaders and the church are called to do. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 3, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who also will share in the glory to be re- revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that, it, that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must. See, overseers don't have to, to oversee and protect and serve, right? So he's saying not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Do you think that deserves a little respect? Respect, hold in high regard your spiritual leaders. And then the third reason is this. Are you ready for this one? It's really deep. It's really profound. Are you ready? They actually do work more than one day a week. Now, please hear me. I know most of you work hard every day of the week. I know that. I get it. I I know many of you work more than one job. I get it. We work hard. I get it. But there's this mindset um, amongst a lot of people, and I say it jokingly over time, but there is a mindset that I think causes people to have a little, uh, maybe not as much respect as they should for overseers and pastors in the church, because in the back of their mind, they think, man, he must play a lot of golf, and he only works on Sunday, so whatever. I'm going to educate you a little bit this morning. Pastors, overseers wear many different hats. Custodian, building maintenance, lawn care, ministry meetings, event planning, late night phone calls, hospital visits, home visits, Facebook messaging, Lord help me, computer maintenance, 
stage design, stage lighting, food giveaways, forklift maintenance, children's ministry needs, youth group needs, worship team needs, worship practice, weddings, funerals, staffing needs, benevolence needs, budgeting, prayer needs, schedule for Sunday uh, needs like greeters, security, etc., prep for all appropriate age classes, sermon prep, just to name a few things. And now we get to Sunday morning, the day day people that think we work, the one day they think we work, we get up early to study and pray, open the building, turn on the lights, the heater, AC, whatever, make lots of coffee, stock coffee bar, check restrooms, turn on sound system, and media computer, sound check, and whatever else may happen, all before people begin to even show up, and then it's Super Bowl Sunday time, amen? Your pastor, in my mind, I have in the back of my mind, and I've said it before, every Sunday is special to me. Every Sunday is a Super Bowl Sunday. Every Sunday I have an eye expectation that the Lord's going to move in our midst. Every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Every Sunday I pray and ask God to move in our midst. Every Sunday I pray that somebody would get saved, either through Facebook or here in our midst. Super Bowl Sunday, and I enjoy it most of the time. Well, I'm just going to be honest. I'm human. See, I love it when we all come together expecting from the Lord Jesus Christ. Why else would we come? So I hope, I hope you see and understand that you have a responsibility to those who serve you spiritually in the church to hold them in high regard, not just because of who, who they have and who, how they been, have been called, but um, also by what they do. Respect because they have been called. They're going to be held more accountable. Respect because of what they do. I respect everything that each and every one of you do. I know life is, I know things are hard. I get it. Now, the last area of responsibility Paul mentions for believers to have towards those who serve in the church is this. Are you guys still with me or are you checked out? Still with me? To be at peace. As Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, live in peace with each other. Peace among believers means there is unity. Unity is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Listen to these words in Psalm uh, 133. It says, how good, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, we're talking about the church, when brothers live together in unity, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. Think the Lord likes unity in the church? Let me ask you a question this morning. Is it easier to lead people who are in unity like this Or is it easier to lead people like this? James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires uh, that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You don't get your way. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Just the opposite of unity. 
I can tell you, if you haven't figured it out on your own, it's much easier to lead people that are in unity. They are behind the vision and the mission of their church. They understand that they are to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and soul, and to love their neighbor as themselves. They have a heart to serve where needed. They have a heart to serve where needed so there can be much unity. It's not a matter of I'll serve when, when the opportunity comes up for my gifts or talents. I'm not going to do A, B, and C because I don't have the gifts or talents for that. Hogwash. If you have a heart to serve, maybe God wants to stretch you to do something you're not comfortable with because as you do that, you're going to grow spiritually because you're going to rely more on him and not on your gifts and talents to help you in that area because if the Holy Spirit is asking you to serve in an area that needs to have somebody serve in, maybe you're the one and he's waiting for you. I hear that often with people that, yeah, I, I want to serve this in my gifts or talents. Well, we don't really, I don't really have, I have need for, for, for a lead pastor right now, but, but I do have need for somebody to cut down all the weeds out here in the field that just keep growing. Can you help with that? I'm not talented to do that. We're done. I'm being a little forward and blunt this morning, right? I'm tired. You see, serving in the church isn't about meeting your needs. Serving in the church is about meeting the needs of the church. What does the church need? What does this body, what does this fellowship need? What can I do to help further the kingdom of God? How can I serve? It's not about getting a position where you can be lifted up and elevated up and say, look at me, look at how I'm serving, using my gifts and talent. To he who is given small, much is given. As you minister in those areas that need to be served in, you'll be surprised how God will stretch and grow you, and you'll be doing something you never thought you were dreamed of doing that you even like better because you got your mind out of, I just have to be the lead worship pastor. It's always funny in a church, you never have a problem finding people that want to be on the worship team, but you can't find people to do other things. I'll just throw that out there. They understand that they are to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and soul, and to love their neighbor as themselves. They have a heart to serve where needed, to put their own interests aside and see the interest of others. Now, please understand, when believers in the church seek to live at peace with one another and serve, it will not only lighten the load for leaders, but it will also make serving you a much more enjoyable, rewarding life experience. It reminds me of this story. Some years ago, there was this guy, and he had some friends in his apartment complex that needed some help moving. Now, no one enjoys moving, and everyone usually tries to avoid this type of labor if, if possible. Can I get a great big amen? amen. <laughs> By the way, when I became a pastor years ago, which I didn't plan on doing, the Lord really led me to it. I ran from it as long as I could, and now I'm a pastor. I had no idea that in the fine print it said, Pastor, Professional Mover. 
But these people needed some help, so the guy volunteered with his oldest son, Zane, to help them move. They began in the early morning. The guy paired up with his son, of course, Zane, uh, to be his moving buddy to live together. They started with boxes, and then they went to the furniture. The guy explained that he was, he was so tired, he was so wore out, uh, way before he ever expected. He felt he was done before it was even noon. He, he was dumbfounded by how tired he was. He soon came to the realization that he was lifting all the weight. You see, his, his young, healthy son, Zane, was there, but he wasn't being a part of the work. Sure, he pretended to strain when he lifted objects, but he only had his hand on them, but he was not helping lift the weight. Zane was a bystander so close and yet not close enough. If I've offended you, any of you this morning, I do apologize for that. But I don't apologize for speaking the truth in love. If you're a member of this church and you're part of this fellowship, I pray that you would take that to heart. Because my challenge for each of you this morning is this. Do you have a sense of responsibility towards those who serve in your church? Are you thankful for those who have been put as overseers in the church as we wait to meet Jesus in the air? Do you recognize those who labor on your behalf? Do you respect them highly in love for all they do? And are you seeking to live in peace, to be in unity? And to put it bluntly, are you helping lift the load or are you a bystander so close and yet not close enough. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time. I sincerely, sincerely ask, Lord, that you take the words that I believe you've put in my heart and mind, and Lord, you would use them through the power of your Holy Spirit to touch everyone here. And Lord, if there is one offended, because of the words I've spoken today. Maybe they think it's self-serving, Lord. I, I pray that you would just speak to them, reveal to them, Lord, what you would want them to take out of this. And God, I pray for everyone here today that each one of us would understand and know that time is short as we know it. And we are called to reach people. We are called to grow ourselves in obedience, to grow and to becoming more like you, God, to, to get rid of ourselves, to not live uh, in the world, not to be in the world, but Lord, know that we're passing through. So Lord, help us. And ha Lord, help us perhaps get rid of some pride we may have. Be willing to do our part. Be willing because as your word, God says, as Jesus said, my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I've come to believe after some 25 years, that scripture is only true if the church gets involved, if the church finds a place to serve. And then the yoke is easy and the burden is light. 
But Lord, if there's only a handful of people doing all the work, that scripture is not true. The yoke isn't easy and the burden is heavy. So Lord, speak to your people. Have your way in each one of us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you guys. I pray it's the same for me. I pray you have a great week. And we'll talk to you when we talk to you. God bless.